Welcome to the Tangland Trust School Counselling Parentwise podcast series. Our aim is to help parents support their children in the best way for them. We know mums and dads are very busy people and each episode is intended to be bite-sized, about 20 minutes in length. Our easily digestible series will look at a variety of common issues that come up for many parents. My name is Pippa Gresham and this podcast follows on from my previous podcast, Being Ordinary and Good Enough in a Perfect World. And I have added an extra lens on how can I be a good enough parent during unforeseen change. I hope that you will join me in reflecting on the difficulty of accepting a new normal, the challenge in wearing our different hats, the collective weary, and how good enough for now can have a real place in maintaining a happy and functioning household for you and your children during turbulent times of change. We are currently in unforeseen times, unprecedented circumstances, and we read that we are experiencing a momentous global crisis that our grandchildren will learn about in history lessons. However, whatever it is, we are living it right now, and just because it is a universal phenomenon, our experiences within it are going to be very unique. One of the big placators for any change in our current state of being is often branded as new normal, but what does it actually mean? Does this mean that this planetary health catastrophe is abnormal, but now it has become so commonplace that it's coming under the bracket of acceptance and ordinariness? Clearly, the glaring question here is, what is normal about this? And within that, the dichotomy of where one person's normal ends and another's begin. Whether we are talking about COVID-19 or another circumstance of great shift and change, surely the only normality that matters or makes sense is our attitude and contentedness with our state of being. Some may find the change in position to domestic circumstances an easy shift, but others may be finding this a major stressor and a constant struggle that can never be deemed as normal. This is where the conflict may lie in our family homes. We as parents are used to reassuring our children that things will broadly be okay. A disagreement with a friend, a problematic test result, even the more challenging changes to family circumstances. But during a time of such global magnitude, there is no such thing as total safety. And we are reminded of this daily by the news, the governments, the teachers, our doctors. And no matter how robust our protective structures are, we are having to acknowledge that things are fragile. Collectively, families are worrying about health, extended family, jobs, exams, academic futures, and there is nowhere to hide. We are living and breathing this every day, all day, and potentially for a very long time. Naturally, we as parents are wired to swoop in and try and take away our child's pain with reassurances. But phrases that may have been helpful previously, such as, it will be okay, may not feel adequate in this circumstance. So rather, we may like to talk about the individual's processing and coping strengths and positively reminding our children that this is really hard, but you will be able to get through this and you will be able to bear this. The focus shifts from the more vacuous abstract to the gritty acknowledgement that this is going to be tough and it is heartbreaking, but it also gives permission for a loss of ordinary composure and potentially for feelings of bewilderment and inaptitude to come to the fore. We as older people may have had more experience with things going wrong or not the way that we had planned and our platforms of security may have had to shift with the natural twists and turns of life. 
We may still be navigating those personally or with help from outside sources. However, in comparison, our youngsters, who by virtue of their age, may not have experienced the same degrees of pain, grief or distress. But like you, they will likely have had issues that they were dealing with before the crisis hit. And so what is happening is that we are all facing all of this load, past and present, together and very, very closely together. That's never going to be a winning combination for positive relationships to thrive. So we hark back to the oxygen mask metaphor. There is no way that you will be able to help your child in the right way if you are not coping well with the day-to-day stresses. This may mean looking at the things that are causing the most friction. It may be asking ourselves whether these can be altered, moderated or removed, if only for a short time, and perhaps with someone's help to ease the atmosphere of tension. Or if not, asking ourselves what can be done to make the situation more bearable. There is little shame in sharing with your child that you may have been struggling with a few factors and that you don't have all the answers, but you perhaps have been using a couple of strategies which have worked for you. Parents with young children may be finding the duality of the role between parent and professional or parent and home-based teacher a constant juggle and that there is guilt playing out in not fulfilling either role well or to the standard that you would hope for or are used to. Perhaps there are more tears and there is conflict with your children fighting against the new modality of learning and you are also butting against your own fears of your child falling behind or concerns whether they're getting quality of learning. However, we must remember that our role for them has changed. Previously, most of us who work in external premises would pop that professional hat on on the hook on the way out and replace it with our parent hat on the way in. But this is not possible at this time. I know myself that the mask I put on to be a professional and function and flourish within that space is very different from the one that I adopt at home. But my husband and my children are witnessing them interchangeably all day, and it is confusing and difficult to know when I am on as a parent and when I am off. Therefore, the boundaries and expectations may have to be set fairly early on for all the possible plates to keep spinning. All the lessons, Zoom calls, meetings may have to be strategised and calendared within the home to satisfy all members of the house. Owning responsibility for certain tasks will likely also have to be divvied out and shared amongst the household, especially if both parents are working. However, whilst a robust timetable will be the ideal framework for productivity, this will not always be possible. And most people, be it teachers or employers, are much more sympathetic to this now more than ever because we're all in this together. Communication would therefore be key and being in tune with our limits, even more so. So explaining in advance to a teacher that there is a clash in the timetable that cannot be overcome or asking an employer to shift a meeting time with early warning may ease these crunch points and the feelings that we have to be all things to all people. For more excellent strategies and specific advice on remote learning challenges for younger children, please do check out the resource written by Joanna Bush and Claire Lancaster on supporting your child with remote learning on the portal. You may also be finding that there is an up and down momentum to your week and some days you will wake up feeling energised, up and ready early, done your exercise and powered through your work and the children have been engaged and learning well. But other days you will wake up and immediately want to go back to bed and the children are squabbling and you end up chasing the day and feeling like nothing's being done well. This will happen and does indeed happen even outside of these times. Brené Brown calls this the collective weary in her podcast series Unlocking Us 
and the tedium that we fluctuate in and out of is our compulsion to do everything and nothing. Brown goes on to explain that we will often feel off and low, but then simultaneously feel guilty because there are others in the world who are significantly worse off than us. We may feel that we don't have a right to feel pain with this because there are others suffering more. However, there is no scale to say that you have more or less right to feel hurt or pain than the next person. And she advocates giving ourselves permission to feel what we feel without comparison or shame. Oftentimes, by connecting with a person outside of our everyday, we'll energize and recalibrate that feeling, as oftentimes you will realize that pretty much everyone is in the same boat, and it will help you keep a healthy perspective on what assumptions may be playing out in your mind. You are likely also working harder than ever to mediate your most powerful emotions from spiraling out. Perhaps you have teenagers who are becoming a little bit more cut off, bolshy perhaps, rude and difficult. You're finding it hard not to lose your rag and complain about their laziness or disrespectfulness. In Psychology Today, a March 2020 article reminds us that our children also have suffered losses and are grieving their own misses and that we may not value them in the same way that they do, but we must consider that their feelings and misery in this are just as real as ours, but in different ways. This is where the listening and space to express themselves will need to be reminded and proffered, perhaps more than in normal circumstances. Maybe you have some non-negotiables and expectations that you require from all members of the household, and if these are outlined publicly and openly early, then the rest perhaps will be easier, and you can deem it maybe something that can be let go for now. Dan Siegel advocates that there are always ways of benignly instilling boundaries without compromising on the rules of the household. He says in his book, No Drama Discipline, you can say yes to the feelings, even as you say no to the behavior. However, remember that if you do throw your toys out of the pram, shout and scream, this doesn't mean that you've ruined everything, damaged anything irrevocably, because that authenticity in your emotions was true and real and has potentially stopped that building up of a repressive state within yourself. But what you do afterwards is more important. How do you repair that rupture? By explaining, apologizing, talking and modeling humility and understanding will be a teaching and learning moment that may lock in your child's memory for how to moderate their behaviors in the future. In essence, from what we know now about good enough parenting, it is all about balance and getting it right some of the time. Donald Winnicott, the psychotherapist, when he coined this phrase, defined it to describe a parent who met their children's physical and emotional needs most of the time. However, sometimes these parents were not attuned to the, their children. Sometimes they got lost and they failed to be empathetic. The reason why these children were discovered in his study to be the most healthy in body and mind were because when their parents missed, their children learnt tolerance and problem solving and that no one is perfect. Thank you so much for listening to this extra lens on good enough parenting, especially in times of unforeseen change. Please do look out for other ParentWise parenting podcasts in this series. Music.